Dangerous. This is Fatina. This is Bree. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. The moment I've been waiting for. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Finally. I know I'm sitting here, well, it's only a week later for you guys, but this yes. is like almost three weeks-ish yeah. later to dive into part two. So I'm having to rack my brain for a little That's recap right, for you. When, from when we last recorded. Mm-hmm. So... You thought you had it rough. <laughs> I had to wait like three weeks for the second part of this. And you know how hard it was to not Google this? Sorry. And to not try and find out what happened? Really hard. Luckily, well, thanks for your patience. I promise I'll make it worth it. Great. I'm, yes. I'm ready for it. Where did we last leave off? Okay, well, I'll just do like a little like cliff note recap okay. from everything that we talked about last time. So... Essentially, Brittany Drexel, a 17-year-old from the Rochester area of New York, is down in Myrtle Beach for spring break with some friends. She goes and visits another friend at his hotel, and on her walk back to her hotel room, she just kind of up and disappears. She's in the middle of texting her boyfriend. The communication just stops, and they go on pretty much a wild goose chase for what we covered in the next two years to try to track down her whereabouts. And really, the only thing that the police have to go off of is very little, I guess you could call it CCTV, you know, video footage from her leaving the Blue Water Hotel where she was last seen with friends, a friend Peter specifically, and then a little very, very grainy um, video of her walking down the strip. That's right. Okay. But that's on her way to the hotel. The police really at this point in time don't have any good substantial leads. They have cell phone tower pings so they can that's see right. where her phone last pinged, which was about an hour south of where she was staying in Myrtle Beach. And the one and only suspect who they quickly kind of ruled out was a guy named Raymond Moody who was a registered sex offender and had been arrested or not, not arrested. Sorry. He had been pulled over the day after Brittany's disappearance and they went and searched the hotel that he had been staying at. But this was two years later that they, when they investigated him and nothing turned up at the hotel. So that's where I kind of left it off for you guys. And one of the biggest things that stands out for me on this one is that the mom had no idea she was going to be going down to right. Myrtle Beach. So it started off on the wrong foot. And unfortunately, she, they had zero idea that, A, she was going to be down there. So there was some time that passed that mm-hmm. could have been critical. Exactly. For the parents. And, you know, I know the dad made it there shortly thereafter. But so, yeah, that's where we last left off. She, I guess, two years have gone by. And the first lead that they had, they kind of ruled him out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then you're like, you'll have to wait. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) Wait no longer. Um, Yeah. So buckle up guys. I'm going to go through a lot of names, a lot of places, a lot of history and details. And I hope I laid it out as well as I could. It there's, there's a lot of information. So it's real juicy. Okay. So there's lots of good stuff in here. So fun. Yeah, we last left off in 2011, and between 2011 and the next real development in the story, we fast forward to June 16th. So we fast forward five years from the last 
suspect that they had, Raymond Moody, and, in 2011. In 2011. Okay. And so we're now to June 2016. This is seven years after Brittany's oh, original wow. disappearance. In June of 2016, the FBI finally comes out and holds a press conference in a town called McClellanville, South Carolina. And it's a town somewhat near where her cell phone last pinged on the okay. towers. And they drop a bombshell on the public. They're pretty much ready to come forward and say that Brittany Drexel is dead. Okay. So they make a very brief statement, really only stating like very vague facts of what they know. So they know where she was in Myrtle Beach. They know when she left, which was that night. And just the fact that she's not been found. Now, this is kind of like unprecedented for them to come forward and like make such a bold statement about them declaring that she's dead because, first of all, how do they know she's dead? They still don't have a body. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. Like, is there a body already? They still do not have a body. And so, to the public, what happened to her still wasn't being revealed. And so they're kind of coming out, making this really like, you know, stark statement. Yeah. Final statement of she's dead, but they don't have anything to offer the public to prove it, to prove it. So all they really have is what they believe to have happened. And they're, and they're also offering, I'm going to get into some details of why they are now coming forward stating this, but something that I personally found odd is that um, they're still offering a $25,000 reward for any information that leads to answering where her body is and who did it. Yeah. And like her whole family was at this press conference and everything like her mom had made a statement and all of that. But so what the FBI wasn't telling the public yet is what they did believe to have happened. And this would soon come out to the public. So evidently a inmate at a local penitentiary, his name was Taquan Brown, says that he has knowledge that Brittany was kidnapped, raped, shot, and then dumped into oh, a swamp. Shit. So Taquan claims that he was present at a stash house some time short thereafter, Brittany disappearing on April 25th of 2009. Stash house, so essentially a drug house, you know, sort of deal, (laughs) was in McClellanville where he claims that he saw Brittany. Oh, he saw her? Yeah, he claims that he saw her, that he saw her being assaulted, so the rape. Okay. And then also claims that he saw her being shot and killed. Oh, wow. I thought he was going to say something like, I overheard an inmate talking about it, or someone was talking about it out in the streets or something. No, he claims (gasps) to have been there the night that her whole disappearance happened. happened. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, the police are, at this point in time, they're like, well, fuck yes. Like, you know, we have somebody that claims to be an eyewitness to not just having seen her that night, but saw her being assaulted, being killed, and then her body just being taken away. You know, whatever. Dumped into into a swamp, according to him. And so Taquan points the finger at a gentleman by the name of Timothy Deshaun Taylor, 
And the investigators instantly try to corroborate this story and all the information yeah. because there's no like, th- there's nothing beyond Taquan just coming forward and saying that he witnessed these things. Yeah, there's things. no evidence. But a second inmate whose identity we don't know backed Brown's story. Oh. So we now have two people who are, you know, he's, saying a- this he's advocating, happened. you know, for, for what Taquan is saying. So to get um, into Timothy Deshaun Taylor, he is already known to police at this point. So back in 2011, he had been involved in an armed robbery at a McDonald's. And he had been convicted and charged by the state. And when the alleged when the alleged involvement with Brittany's case came up, he was retried in federal in federal court for the robbery. Oh, okay. So now you might be thinking, well, isn't that double jeopardy? Because he's already been tried and convicted of something, right. but now they're going to try and convict him again. I guess there's a difference of where you can do that from a state level and then take it to a federal level and retry it. So you don't often see this, but the FBI pretty much initially painted this as a situation that they were unhappy with his original sentence that got tried by the state, which was only 18 months of probation. Oh, yeah. And so slap on the hand kind of thing. Yeah. And at that time, he was said his role in that robbery was said to have just been that he was the getaway car, but they claimed that he had been the mastermind of the whole robbery and wasn't just the driver of the getaway car. Oh, so they were trying to pull him in on federal charges to get him this harsher sentence, but really this underlying tone of they're really just trying to get information about Brainy Drexel. Gotcha. So So, that's their bargaining chip at that point. Basically. So they kind of found a way to re-get this guy in and put him in jail because he's just out on probation at this point from those first charges. I see. Okay. Which was kind of crazy. Like, I really had to, like, re-go over a lot of this stuff. Like, why they would do that? A few different times. Because I was like, gosh, this just just doesn't kind of completely make sense. But that was their angle. And so... You know, basically, like I said, this is viewed by many as an opportunity to put pressure on Taylor to get more information about Brittany. He at all times denied any involvement with Brittany. Um, We see the Dr. Phil show come up again, ironically. Love him. And so he, you know, goes on the Dr. Phil show. He says that he only knew her from TV, from having seen her on TV probably in his previous jail stay or whatever yeah. TV at home um, says that he didn't kidnap her. He had never been to the blue water hotel, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he's standing firm on his innocence and with all of those allegations, they still didn't have any hard evidence. So this right. is just his word against someone who claimed to have seen him involved, involved. in all of this. And I think that there was even word of um them also trying to point the finger at Taylor's dad having been at the stash house that night and playing involvement so it got to be this really like super messy super messy crazy story on the Dr. Phil show um not necessarily just in the original um allegations from Taquan 
something came up about Taylor's dad having some involvement or or something. And he was a couple hours away, right? From Myrtle Beach? Well, yeah, it would have been down in McClellanville where um, her cell phone last pinged. Is the stash house that he claimed to be at. But the dad had to drive up to... No, uh, Taylor... Timothy Deshaun Taylor's dad. Oh, that's not right. Not Britney's dad. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, Oof. not Britney's dad. No. Can you? <laughs> that would have been super fucking messy. I was like, wait, what? They're saying her dad Her was dad there? was at the stash house. The okay, night. no, Sorry. no. No, he was trying to, for whatever reason, I don't know his angle on it, but pull Timothy Deshaun Taylor's dad into the gotcha. mix with all of it, too. Okay. Uh, South Carolina 15th Judicial Circuit solicitor by the name of Jimmy Richardson confirmed that the informant's information was a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. They eventually came forward, admitted that they had made everything up. Oh, no. And, you know, it kind of reminded me a lot of the, um, you know, Zenaida Fernandez from Casey Anthony. I mean, he is like the first main made public suspect right that could have done this to Brittany and not and not only be the guy but you know the allegations of kidnap rape shot body disposed you know all this stuff so his name got unjustly dug through the media yeah for so long and so that was in 2016 and you know, this goes on still for a while to clear his name. And it wasn't until December of 2019. So three years later that the federal case against him is, is resolved. They still were able to put harsher charges on him from the McDonald's robbery because that was their initial angle in pulling him back in anyways. And they probably, because they didn't get what they wanted, Uh they were harsh. Oh, that got crazy. Yeah, so I feel super, super bad for this guy and for his family. You know, like, who knows? You know, he's just doing his thing, doing his 18 months probation, and then he just gets unjustly brought into all of this bullshit, and then he ends up getting three more years of probation for... With like, wait, was he in jail that whole time? This he well, he wasn't when the original allegations came out because okay. he was just out on his eighteen month probation. probation. But then when those allegations came forward, they put him back in jail again while they investigated. It makes me think of just like how Zanny's life was torn to shit, you know, after by people who didn't believe that she was cleared the same thing with this person Mm -hmm. although they've probably come out and say hey there's no involvement it was all bullshit like it was made up by someone else there's still going to be people out there that don't believe that exactly don't believe that Mm -hmm. and will i mean if they ever have an interaction with this person will probably still think that that's true exactly you know, you, you see something once and you get your mind made up about yeah. it and then, you know, you're hardened and are, you know, don't even want to try right. to imagine anything else. Right. So, yeah, I really, really feel super bad for this guy. I mean, it, this was a, you know, a very public case and was for years for right. how, how long it was drug on. But, 
you know, obviously no charges were brought against him for Brittany's case, but he did get a little bit of a harsher sentence, still only probation, but three more years probation for the robbery. So we're sitting, you know, still in 2019 and it's a decade of no leads. Holy shit. 10 years of this family just like, what the fuck? Like somebody figure out something, you know? That always blows my mind with missing people because you never know when... Someone had to have seen something. They probably don't realize that they saw something. Exactly. Uh, And that's why it's important, I think, to like, if you see something, say something. A hundred percent. Man, that's a long time to have zero idea Mm -hmm. of what may have happened to your person. And your hope is just deflated over and over again. You get word that they think that they have somebody and then it's not him. And then they get word that they think that they have somebody again and then it's not him. Yeah. And yeah, just just such an emotional roller coaster. Right. Keep reliving it. You keep thinking, okay, yeah, that new lead is going to leave. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's mm-hmm. go with that. And then it all gets shot down. And oh, then you're I can't crushed imagine. and back at square one. Yeah. yeah. So hard. But at this 10-year mark which I think that this was really super smart, but the FBI does a huge turnover and overhaul. They they assign completely new investigators oh, to the case. They're like, we're just going to go back to square one and get a fresh start. And so they, you know, go through and they dig through a decade's worth of file and evidence. They all wanted to get on the same page and pretty much just go back and re-answer the questions of where have we been? What do we know? Right. Where are we going with I think this? Everyone has blind spots, and starting fresh is really important. Totally. I mean, you've just been like beating a dead horse yeah. for you know over ten years. Let's let's get some new yep. blood in here for sure. And by this point, also, this is ten years later, and technology has changed a lot. Yeah. I mean, I look at myself. You know what I know now, and what. I call them kids, even though they're not kids, but I'm at that age where <laughs> I feel like age. someone that's 10 years younger than me is a child. Yeah. But you know, like with technology, people that are 10 years younger than me know so much more stuff than I know. Yeah. Way more in depth. Well, that and just techniques in general mm. seem to evolve, even with the police work, you know, an interrogation method that didn't work a decade ago. Exactly. Is going to, you know, maybe there's a new one or work differently now, mm-hmm. work a different angle. Even so, to yeah. go back and reevaluate evidence that mm-hmm. you already have on hand. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. So we just left 2019 and we're going to fast forward to spring of 2022. This so that's got really this close. So close. And that's why I was the most excited to cover this case now, because we have so many more answered questions than we ever, ever had. Okay. So this gets very recent, very current, very, you know, close to home. So spring of 2022, a familiar face comes back. Um, Raymond Moody, the man who was pulled over the day after Brittany disappeared and whose hotel they searched in 2011 and you know during this whole time you know investigators never really took him off of their minds and I think that that happens a lot in cases where you you investigate a suspect 
you clear them because you don't really have anything to go off of. But something about this person just doesn't feel right. And so this happens. And in May of this year of 2022, Moody is arrested on charges of obstruction of justice. And so initially, the FBI is really tight-lipped to the media about details. I kind of don't blame them because now this is the third time that they're yeah, crying wolf, right? sort of, you know, so to speak. And so this, I wish I had a little bit more of an understanding for you guys for the ins and outs of his exact charges of obstruction of justice, but it gets into it a little bit here, so hopefully it helps answer any questions that you may or may not have but this was their way of having him on a basically a holding charge so the obstruction was for obstruction of justice on this case on this for case Brittany. yes okay and i'll i'll talk a yeah. little bit about the why the why okay yeah and so yeah this is their way of pretty much having him on a holding charge so that they can have him in their custody while they finish their investigation so, police claim that they have cell data and video surveillance of a vehicle that that both of those things place Moody at the same time and locations as Brittany on April 25th of 2009. Wow. So, I think in, this is my perception of it, I think in that video where they see her walking down the Myrtle Beach Strip, mm-hmm. I think that they were able to identify a vehicle that looked just like the one that Raymond Moody was driving during that time. And I don't know how the police report works necessarily for when he was pulled over that next day, mm-hmm. if they take any record of the make and model of the vehicle. Sure. But somehow, some way, with new technology and the way that it developed, they were able to put him in On this charge. On this charge, in the proximity. So I think that's where his obstruction of justice... It's like the lesser thing that they could at least hold him on? Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And during this time that Moody is being held, he confesses to killing (gasps) Brittany. Shut up. Yep. No way. Yep. And there's great video of it. I'm going to get into it here, but there is great video of him giving his confession that you can find online. So let's talk about the infamous Raymond Moody and let's figure out why this man is as fucked up as he is. So Yeah, let's. (laughs) Please. So we're going to go all the way back to 1983 in Vallejo, California. There was, at the time, a young girl. Her name was Carrie Harding, and she was eight years old at the time. And she was walking to a school to go play with a friend when Moody crossed her path, and he was, like, walking down the street, bouncing a basketball. And he's 23 years old at this time. Okay, okay. And Carrie is eight. And so... She's walking towards him. He's walking towards her, and he tells her, oh, you can't go down that way because they're doing some construction on the sidewalk. And so she's like, okay, you know, and turns around and backtracks. And so she's now behind Moody walking down the sidewalk. And when he gets up to his vehicle, he opened the passenger door, and he pulled her inside in, like, the blink of an eye. Like, I always wonder how how quickly... It, like, it's terrifying how quickly kids 
can just get snatched up. I was driving down the the street the other day, and there's this little four-year-old running, and she's trying to catch up with her mom. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, literally a van would just have to pull up right now, snatch her ass up, and they would be You would never catch a van on foot. Yeah. Gone. It is wild how quick that can happen. It's crazy. Like you think it would be harder and it's really not. It's and really that's not. what just makes it like unimaginably Terrifying. horrifying. Yeah. She was eight. Oh, yeah, he was eight baby. years old. And so he snatches her up and throws her in her car and he drives them up a few miles up the road to pretty much like a housing development that was under construction. And he tells her to get in the back seat, take off her clothes, and he sexually assaults her. Oh. They, she doesn't exactly reveal what happened other than the fact that she was sexually assaulted. So I don't know the severity of the assault. It doesn't make it any right. No, <laughs> any better. Um, but we don't know the ins and outs of exactly what happened to her. But she's a smart little eight-year-old. Yeah. And she keeps telling him that she has to go to the bathroom. And oh. this whole time she's just thinking, if I can get outside of the car, I can get away. Good. You know, if I can yeah. just get the door open, I can get away. And so he does open the door for her and he tells her, okay, go ahead and squat right here. And he's got a, a hold of her hair while she's doing that. Oh, my God. And somehow, some way, she manages to slip free and she Good. just books it down the street. Oh, yes. And she runs until she runs into like this couple that's walking, you know, towards her and tells them exactly what had happened. She had been kidnapped. You know, oh she's. Oh, my God. I'm just like, <laughs> good for her. So so smart. Like, yeah. I can only I can only imagine that the majority of eight year olds would just be like scared stiff in a yeah. situation like that. Just frozen. And she had such strong survival instincts at such a young age to think about good. how can I get away. I'm trying to think of when I was eight years old and if I would have done that. I'm like, uh, I don't know that I would have thought of that. I don't think I would have <laughs> no. either. Not at all. And so he does get away at this point. But after Carrie, he unfortunately attacks and assaults um, seven other young girls. Oh, my God. This guy's an animal. He's he's got a long history of. Oh, shit. Things. I was not expecting that. I was thinking Brittany was like one and done type of thing. No, he's been doing this for a long time. Wow. A long ass time. But he does eventually get caught and he's charged and he pleads guilty to the multiple assaults. What? And so it's just like kind of funny. Like this guy's just like so quick to confess to his crimes. I mean, maybe he has some form of a conscience where he just like. He knows what he's doing is wrong. Has to out himself. He totally knows what he's doing is wrong. And so for those seven assaults, he gets sentenced to 40 years in the California penal system. Okay. So, sorry, you guys are going to hear all my papers because I've got a novel of notes because there's no way my brain can remember all of this. So while Moody is in jail, he ends up being cellmates with a man by the name of Ernie Merchant. And eventually, um, they become cell husbands. Oh, okay. So a little romance amongst all of the child abuse. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't make no, light of that. No, 
But um, I mean, we all need love, but geez, I mean, anyway. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. So if this makes the cut. Another layer <laughs> to this man. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're in there for forty years. You're. You got to figure something yeah, out. Figure something. You out. know, they don't really have a. Not that they could access like porn websites, I don't think, but they don't really no. have a lot of internet access as no. inmates. I mean, magazines are only going to last you so long. But anyway, he met Moody after Moody had already been in prison for 17 years. And he has nothing but amazing things to say about no way. Moody when he first met him. He was kind. He had impeccable manners. And there was never a time when he was anything less than a nice person. Weird. And so I mean, weird, but not weird. Because these people can very easily like chameleon their way into society. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Weird to think about that, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And manipulative, too, you know? So, while they were in prison, Ernie never knew of any of of, uh, Moody's crimes. What? He had no idea about any of the sexual assaults. He was under the impression that he was in for a series of robberies. And, you know, during that time, like I said, like, inmates didn't have access to the internet. This is the early 2000s pre-google pre-google yeah see that's weird because i mean i've never been in prison but you see all these shows like 60 days in and mm-hmm. stuff like that and like the first thing they ask you besides your name is what are you in for mm-hmm. within the first day so i feel like he might have lied so that he would have not been treated as badly while he was in prison Oh, yeah, because child molesters have one hell of a time in prison. Yeah, so he had to have lied the entire time he was there. Oh, 100%. That he was there. Yeah, for his own safety. I mean, well, in the severity, like, not even close. I mean, you're already in, I I don't know the, the average sentence of a robbery, but, okay, you've already been in prison for 17 years at this point when Ernie met him. And your total sentence is 40 years. Like how bad were the robberies that you committed? You know, (laughs) was it just a string of, of little, you know, like he might've said they were armed or something, but exactly. But yeah, nonetheless, Ernie was just under the impression that, you know, nice guy that just found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, gives me chills. Like that's gross. So gross. However, So just like we see, you know, Moody's conscience come into play and he can't wait to out himself. It wasn't until Ernie was at the end of his prison stay that Moody decided to give him his file and let him know exactly why he was in prison. And Ernie was in love. Huh? Once he was in love, he's like, he's the real me. Now that I've made you fall in love with me, I just want you to know that I've raped at least seven young women. That I've been caught for. That I've been caught for. And Ernie is stunned. He is horrified. He is repulsed. He has every logical reaction that someone should have to hearing these charges. And, you know, Raymond insisted that he was not that person anymore, but... 
Ernie's like, fuck off. See you later. Not interested in continuing a relationship with you. I'm getting my shit. I have my release date. Good for Ernie. See you never. Just. I feel like he did that because he knew that once he got out, there was a potential that he could have like looked him up. Oh, and he 100% would have. Would have. Yeah. He didn't have internet access to really Mm -hmm. dig into this person's past. So, yeah, are you going to, I don't know, I guess good on him a little bit for just outing yourself before them finding out some other way. I don't know, like cheating on somebody. You might as well just come forward and confess it because they're going to find it out one way or another. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted that in-person opportunity instead of like maybe just being ghosted after he got out. Potentially. You know? Yeah. And I don't know any of, like, Raymond's relationship history up until this point of time. Maybe this is the first person that he's actually... In love with? In love with. Yeah. So, but Moody ends up getting released in 2004 after only serving 20 of his 40-year sentence. And this is because at that time in California, they did not allow for a lengthier stay for those charges. I'm like, why even sentence them for that long if they're not going to do all of that time? That's probably why he confessed then. Because he's like, the most I could do is 20 years. Exactly. I it, it just it, it when I read that I was like that is despicable. No, yeah. you can sit your ass in prison for the rest of your life for the assaults that you've committed. That is wow, disgusting. Way to go, California. Way to go, California. Hopefully, <laughs> they've changed their methods of right. of convictions between uh, two thousand four and now. But when Moody gets out, he goes back to Georgetown, South Carolina, where he was from. And wouldn't you know it, but Ernie actually goes with him. <gasps> no. Yes. What? Ernie. So. No. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. Ernie, no. I don't know what kind of magic, manipulative voodoo, oh, witchery, whatever that Moody did on this man. That would actually make him not only get back with him, but follow his ass to the other side of the country to continue being with this person. You don't read a file like that and then stay with someone. I don't. No. No. I'm like, Ernie, don't be Ernie. Goodness gracious. Okay, so they moved together to South Carolina. They moved together to South Carolina. I don't know. You can edit this part out, but maybe the dick was just that good. I, I literally I, can't it think sucks of to say it. that, but it like it had to have been right. <laughs> it had to have been because sorry, grandma. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Breeze grandma. I don't have a grandma. So. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, grandma. Her birthday That's was right, yesterday. <laughs> but. So, you know, they move back to Georgetown, South Carolina, and this is a town of like 8,000 people. And so this is where Moody is originally from before living in California. Okay. And so either it's a town of 8,000 people. That's not many. People know his name. Right. And when he goes back, people know of the crimes that he's committed. So, mm. he, you know, he's moving back to a place where, I don't know, 
I could imagine that you would have people waiting for your return with shotguns for yeah. the type of crimes that you've committed. Yeah, especially if I had a kid or something. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be like, hell no, get off my street. Yeah. No. Wait, just on the just so I know on those seven charges were all were they all minors? Yes. Oh, I. I cannot state this for a fact, but I believe Most, that the oldest was 13 or 14 years old. My goodness. They were all very, very, very young girls. So just absolutely disgusting. But, you know, moving back home, knowing that pretty much all 8,000 people that live there know about his past, Moody kind of accepts this and says that his reputation is a part of his punishment and it's a job to prove that he can be trusted again. I don't know how you're going to do that. I mean, someone was not allowed to be part of society for 20 years. It's not that they were behaving well. They literally had nowhere to go. <laughs> exactly. The best they could do was like stand in line orderly to get their food. Uh-huh. Okay. Sorry, so, I'm riled up a little bit. I know. It, it is It is pretty infuriating, to say the least. He made his bed well, like, good for him. Uh, what yeah. You it's a pat on the back. Yeah. Oh, get the hell out of here. But you, Raymond, and, uh, Raymond and Ernie do establish a quiet life together, but that does not last long. So Ray's, Raymond's parole ends in 2007, and according to Ernie, this is when his personality just really starts to change, which I can imagine. I think we kind of see that happen a lot. You know, you've been under the constraints of the law for so long, and finally your yeah. probation is over, and so you were just ready to, like, spread those wings Do and fly. Something. Do yeah. something. So he bought a motorcycle, and he was taking off all the time. And then he started having an affair with a woman. Her name is Angel Voss. And this is some drama because Ernie was a hairdresser. Oh. And he had done Angel's hair a couple oh, times shit. by the time that he finds out that his man, who I'm sure he assumed was not just gay for the stay, is yeah. having an woman. affair with a woman. Oh, shit. So, drama. That is some drama. That is some drama. Damn. Ernie's like, I dare you to sit back in my chair again. Uh, right? You'd be you looking imagine? like Britney circa 2007, <laughs> walking out of this bitch. <laughs> You're not getting your highlights done the way that you thought. Oh, my Hell gosh. no. So, Ernie and Raymond end up splitting in um, early 2009. And so 2009 is, again, to refresh the year that Brittany Drexel goes missing. Right. So on April 27th, this is two days after Brittany went missing, Ernie is woken up very early because he hears someone in his house. Oh. And he goes out of his bedroom, and I believe he goes into the kitchen or the living room, and Raymond is in his home. Okay. Raymond says he's there to pick up some tools that he had left behind and Ernie's looking at him and Raymond is covered in claw marks. Oh. They're on his face, they're on his collarbone. He's got he's like a got a shaved bald head. He's got scratch marks on his head and Ernie is like, "What the fuck happened to you?" Yeah. Like what kind of a mess did you get yourself in and 
Raymond pretty much tells him, oh, I had a wild weekend and things got out of control. And Ernie's like, okay, well, good luck with all of that. Get your tools and just get the hell out of my house. And good luck with that. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah. Ernie, that's the energy we needed from day one. Exactly. (laughs) We need that energy and we need it to stay. And so, you know, this is April 27th and Moody was pulled over on the 26th of April. So the day prior. He would have had all of a these claw marks, marks on him. all over him. I'm sure he came up, if the <clears throat> cop even questioned him on it, I'm sure he came up with some story. Right, because at to that point. To explain it away. It was a traffic stop, right? It had nothing to do with the case. It had nothing to do with the case. And oh. so it probably, most likely, never even got jotted down as part of the traffic stop, you know? Yeah. They're just like, oh. Wild okay. sex marks. It, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Went rolling through the briar bushes. I don't know. Just <laughs> stumbled into a rose bush over and over just again. Your average Tuesday afternoon. Right. Yeah, yeah, they would have had no reason to ask or like question at or that to point. hold because right. yeah, no. nothing had even and then been two brought years to light. Later, yet. Of course, there's nothing. Okay. Exactly. But just <sighs> reflecting back on that, I'm like, dude would have been just covered with all of these marks. And it would have been hot, too. So, like, hoodie would have been questionable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, we're going to come back to 2022 to May 5th when Moody confessed to, okay. the, to the police. So, part of Moody's confession, and this is his story of how everything played out that evening... He claims that him and Angel were in Myrtle Beach and they saw Brittany walking down the Myrtle Beach strip. Is that him and Rachel? Him and Angel. Angel. Sorry. No, him him and Angel uh, saw Brittany walking down the strip in Myrtle Beach and they pull over and ask her to come and party with them and they kind of entice her with some weed. They were smoking some weed. Okay. And he claims that she voluntarily got in the car and then they drove out to a campsite which was down by the North Santee River, where her cell phone last pinged. pinged. So Raymond claims, you know, they get down to their campsite area and says that they were having, they were just having a good time and then claims that Angel left for whatever reason and him and Brittany were left there alone at the campsite. Remind me, how old is she again? Brittany. Brittany, she's 17 at the time. Okay. And so, you know, at this point in time, I want to say that Angel and Raymond are probably in their, like, 40s. Right. Give or take. He might be a little bit older he had to than be, Angel. Maybe, like, in he, his 50s. He was 23 when he first uh, assaulted that 8-year-old. And that was in 83. And then a couple years later, mm-hmm. he got booked on the 7. Mm-hmm. So, let's say 25. And then he... Was in jail for 20 years, so 45, mm-hmm. and then by the time the he moved to South Carolina, was with Angel, let's add a couple years, so like 50. Push him 50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Angel is about the same age, give or take? Give or take. Okay. Yeah. So Angel leaves, and he claims he then told Brittany to take off her clothes, and he assaulted her. At the campsite. 
I mean, we obviously know that she fought him hard. Yeah. Given the claw marks that were all over him, she yeah. was not going to let this go down without a fight. A big fight. Good for her. And he pretty much panics in that moment and strangles her. Oh. And during this confession, the police ask him, you know, well, what what caused things to go so horribly wrong, you know, that you strangled her? And he was just like, nothing really. It was just all in my mind. Just panic. Just just pure panic mode. So I'm just going to pause here because I just want to interject some of my own personal thoughts and we'll talk more about angel here in a second but you know i'm just thinking like you're both late 40s early 50 somethings what the hell are the two of you doing getting a 17 year old in your car to go party yeah that's fucking weird anyone of any age anyone into your car to go party i mean especially that big of a an age difference it doesn't make sense to me unless they like wanted to do something all together and like maybe angel and him wanted to do something like that with someone around that age Mm -hmm. group together um that's the only thing i can think of maybe Mm -hmm. that that's maybe they'd done that before too maybe yeah maybe this wasn't their first time like asking someone to go quote-unquote party with them i have a lot of suspicions about angel Mm. and Unfortunately, we really don't get to see any repercussions play out on her on her. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay. So he sexually assaults her. He strangles Brittany. And then when Angel later returned, this time frame is kind of unknown. He told her that Drexel had called her friends and told them to come pick her up. And he suggested to Angel that they not camp there that night. So, according to Raymond's story, you know, they're 50 miles away from where they picked her up at. So, we can say that's an average of an hour drive. So, Angel had to have been gone for at least two hours. Well, no, at least an hour for supposedly Brittany's friends to have been called, drive all the way down to Myrtle, from Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. To pick her up to then take her. And this is going with the best case scenario that Angel really doesn't know of anything that happened. So, and where she went, where Angel went Mm. during that time. Is unknown. I mean, how far could you go somewhere on a campsite? Exactly. Like, I don't know if she like. I'm going to go chop my own wood. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go take a walk down by the swamp. Going to go make my own fish basket. Yeah. Go down to the river. Exactly. What do you? What, what could you possibly go to the campsite like? That's anyway. It's so bizarre. I don't know. She made a store run, Maybe. or something like that. Without the car, though. But, but well, she would have had the car because they would have already been. They would oh. have already picked her up and been down at the campsite. So she was there alone with Brittany without the car. Correct. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay the car gives her a little more room. Mm-hmm. Then. A little bit. <laughs> So 
He returned to the location where the assault was committed the next day, said that he couldn't sleep a wink. I don't know where he stored her body between when they left and when he went back, but he went and got her body and he buried her. He got rid of his clothing and he put all of Brittany's clothing in like one of those. I, I'm, I'm imagining one of those donation boxes that we have around oh, town yeah, in yeah. Portland. The little like green boxes where you yep. can just dump stuff in. So he put all of her, all of Brittany's clothes in a donation box. He threw her phone into the river, but he did hold on to her high school ID for a little while. Ew. Which is so repulsive. Just had to have this little trophy that had her picture on it that he could just look at whenever he wanted. But eventually he did get rid of the ID. So I don't know. This guy is just Yeah, that's definitely a, a trophy that he did not need to keep. No. I mean, there's no trophy that you need to keep. but No. But see, yeah. So her clothes weren't bloody or anything because it was a soft kill. Mm-hmm. So that's why he could just throw them away. Exactly. Ugh. And to throw his away and just, ha- you know, just leave it at that. To imagine that someone probably ended up buying those clothes or something. Dude. And I think he put her purse in with those also, or he disposed of her purse with her phone, but her purse went in one of those, one of those two locations. So wild. That changes me walking into Goodwill. I know. (laughs) Sorry. That's weird. Chances I don't are know very why, unlikely. I don't know why that made me so antsy. I'm like, yeah. oh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, just make sure you wash everything Someone that you bring home. <laughs> just run it through. Give it some extra bleach. And whatever. some holy water. And some but, holy okay. water. Yeah, exactly. So although the police were stoked to have this very intricate confession, confession yeah. from Moody they still needed something concrete and they're like, we need a body. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're saying all this. We've had someone cry wolf before of knowing the details of how this happened, but we need, we need you to prove this to us. And so Raymond ended up taking the police out about three miles from the sunset lodge. That's the hotel that they searched back in 2011. Oh my God. And took them out into a really heavily wooded area. And the police searched this area for roughly three days. Oh, shit. I mean, it's been 13 years since he committed this crime. The exact spot, you know, is not, I don't know, fresh in his mind. But they have a general, you know, he took him out to an idea idea of where he had dumped her. Yeah. Basically. And eventually, they do find human remains. Uh, They were buried about four feet deep. I mean, the elements of the South over 13 years. We don't know that he actually buried her that deep. You know, that could have happened over time. But they did end up finding her remains nonetheless. And they still even contained her nose ring, a blue contact lens, and some hair. was still left with all of that and it did take them about 48 hours to confirm forensics and you know unlike 
Kaylee Anthony. Yeah. Luckily, they still had some tissue, tissue and DNA yeah. stuff to go off of to be able to confirm that it was her. And, I mean, the family, as sad as it is, they can finally breathe at this point in time. Yeah. They're so grateful for the closure, even though it took 13 years for them to get to that point. But, you know, then I think of other crimes that are still ongoing, you know, cold cases. And I do think at a certain point in time in this family kind of went through this same scenario at a certain point, you're kind of losing hope and just coming to the reality of the chances of this person coming home alive is slim to none, but to be able to recover their remains and to have, you know, be able to kind of close that chapter of it has got to provide some form of comfort. Yeah. And give, you know, people in your life the the permission to move on. Exactly. From that point. Yeah. Um this part really had me choked up. Her mom had Brittany cremated and said that she did not want to bury her because she had already been in the ground for too long. And I was just like, oh my God, get me a box of tissues. Shit, mom, right in the feels. Seriously. Yeah. And so everyone in her family got a little bit, little piece of her, which I, I would want that if that was my daughter or my best friend or you know, my mom or whoever to be able to have a little bit of that person with me with having to go so long without them would mean so, so much. And, you know, when you just look back on if Raymond had served his whole 40 year sentence, Brittany would still be alive. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. And so that just really like kind of tugs at your heartstrings too. And for me, you know, when I think about that aspect of it, you know, I know jails are only so big and we only have so many and we only have so much room, but you know, crimes like that on children, not just minors, but children is so unforgivable and to let anybody out early on multiple heinous crimes like that is unacceptable. That's a lot. So unacceptable in my book. So it's wild to think how many people, because had he not confessed, there probably wouldn't have been any evidence against him. No. And how many people take secrets like that to the grave? Mm -hmm. Because he had to have been what we were thinking 50 so 60 mm-hmm. i mean i don't know his lifestyle but 60 you still have a lot to live still i think right you know you totally. still have your retired years ahead of you mm-hmm. so i wonder what made him confess because it sounds like this is something he's done before yeah you know the confessy part mm-hmm. <laughs> weird yeah it's super weird Okay, so I told you that we would talk about Angel a little bit more, and I just found some of this equally fascinating as it was confusing in some aspects, but there is an interrogation video of Angel Voss from 2011, 
when Moody, oh, the two years when Moody after. was first questioned. Okay. So, so she's in this interrogation, and she she tells the police, I think that he could be responsible for anyone's disappearance. Oh. Like, is just calling the kettle black. <laughs> why, why would you say that about someone? <laughs> exactly. And she said that Moody had told her that he had dreams of hanging people from trees and cutting their, go- their guts open and letting the blood run all over them. Those are not normal dreams. Those are not normal dreams. Those are nightmares. And even then, of you doing that, that's creepy. Super, super fucking creepy. And Angel said that Moody scared her, uh, told her about things that he had done in California that he never got caught for. So, and and God only knows what that means. Was it just more girls that he assaulted? Right. You know, what did Was this it man do? You know? And so he apparently told her things that he had never got caught for. We don't know these details. And then she claims that at one point he told her that she could disappear as easily as Drexel did. (gasps) No. Wait a minute. Hold on. Pause. Mm -hmm. So she's telling the police this two years after Mm -hmm. Brittany disappeared Mm -hmm. when they were starting to get on to him finally. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened? And nothing happened. What the hell? So I don't know when she told the police that little tidbit of information. Oh, okay. I don't know if that came from the 2011 interrogation video. My guess is that it didn't. Yeah, because I would have been like, hey, listen, your girlfriend's talking about you over there. Right. Saying you're ready to kill people. Exactly. Or if it did, and he had made that comment to her during that point in time, was it just like a really poor turn of phrase because it was a case that happened so close to home and it was a girl that was such a cold case that nobody had any explanation for her whereabouts. And so during a heated argument, you know, he's just like, you better watch yourself because you could disappear just as easily as that Britney girl did. That's my Libra looking at the other side like, yeah, you're right. That could happen. Yeah. No, I could see that happening too. You know what I mean? But also kind of like. In poor taste. In very poor taste. But I can see it happening. Exactly. So I don't have a whole lot of explanation, but I have Mm. theories behind maybe how that comment could have come up in a little bit more of an innocent context. Okay. Innocent, not innocent. Yeah. Um, or him being very literal and serious and Angel knowing that he was the one. Right. That did everything. Right. Because I personally don't think that Angel went anywhere that night. Right, no. That That's just my gut feeling. Maybe to the car. Maybe to the car. Yeah. But the whole encompassing situation of them even picking her up together in the first place, to them partying with her, to her leaving, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. For, it, yeah. it just seems weird. So personally, I think that Moody 
exchanged the location of Drexel's remains to keep Angel out of the conversation and to keep them out of pursuing or prosecuting her for any charges. Gotcha. So you think even, so if Angel did have something to do Mm -hmm. with or was there for when he strangled her, Mm -hmm. him moving her locations and like cleaning up the crime scene Mm -hmm. was so that Angel wouldn't get anything right should she open her mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think that was his part of his barter for giving up her the location of Brittany's remains was to keep Angel completely right. out of the conversation. Like, no one else has this information but Like, me. hey, if I give this to you, yeah. you're done talking to her. Yeah. When it came down to Raymond's final charges and his sentencing, he was convicted of first-degree murder, kidnapping, first-degree criminal sexual conduct, and he pled guilty on October 19th of 2022 so just a little over a month ago and he was sentenced to life in prison wow and he will never see the light of day yeah um you can find the full video of his sentencing online i mean it's very easy to find because it's so recent um and there's a portion in it you know when he is pleading guilty you know he's he's calling himself a monster and he can't believe that he ever would have done anything like that and that's not the man who he is now I think that that speaks a little bit to this man's conscience and like we've kind of been saying throughout this episode him being so quick to give himself up Mm -hmm. and I do think that he knows that everything that he's done is wrong but some people yeah. cannot fight the urge right. to help themselves cannot help themselves no matter how wrong they know it is totally deserves to never see the light of day again and he yeah. won't he will never leave prison he will definitely you know live out his life there but yeah just such a crazy case and I'm super grateful for my coworker that brought this up to yeah, me and seriously. such a good time for her to to mention it because I think now having the completion of everything makes this such a better story to tell so that we have answers and conclusions instead of running with a bunch of dead end wild goose chase yeah theories on what we think could have happened and they could have gone so wild because we had people like the uh, the guy in prison that was making up stories about what he saw yeah and that was probably just because he wanted a better deal on whatever he had going on you know exactly and just you know your mind your imagination goes so <clears throat> wild when you don't know anything mm-hmm. on where to what lead to follow so yeah, I mean, like you, I think you mentioned it at the beginning where like human trafficking was just a thing starting up in South Carolina, Myrtle right. Beach and stuff like right. that. So her parents could have gone decades or probably did thinking maybe my daughter's still alive somewhere being trafficked. Right. And or, you know, so it's nice to have a resolution. Obviously not the best one, mm-hmm. but I'm glad he confessed. Oh, me too. I'm glad he confessed because I don't think they would have ever found her. Especially Even with, with the being... holding charges with the obstruction of justice, they still... That was a good still, move. 
It was such a good movie, yeah. you know, and, and kudos to, you know, the whole idea of clean slate. Let's yeah. wipe out the old investigators. Let's bring in new investigators. Let's reevaluate everything and come in with some fresh eyes. But yeah, without his confession, they still didn't have any hard, hard evidence yeah. without a body. Yeah. It's weird to think that, you know, if something like that were to happen nowadays, where if he would have gotten pulled over like two days afterwards and the little stuff, like the scratches all over him, mm-hmm. they wouldn't notice on this one, right? For all that we know. Right. But nowadays with police officers like wearing body cams or mm-hmm. dash cams, maybe it was not important then, but you know, if there's a case that comes up then go back and look at those and maybe that's what, opens a whole case up it's just wild to think about like how much technology has changed totally yeah I mean my coworker and I this is kind of on the same but slightly different topic we were talking about you know doing like ancestry.com stuff and I guess now you can select if you want your um your DNA to be made public or whatever but there are a lot of crimes that have been solved yeah. from from people just submitting DNA to yeah. discover their, you know, their ancestry. Right. And, and so not even that's like, crazy. Oh, they've been caught for a crime, but they can link like a suspect to that family line or something. Yeah. And the, or they know who the unknown hair was. Or exactly. They know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying I mean I've I've been sitting on an ancestry kit for three years now yeah i haven't done it it's still on my shelf there and i'm like i i need to do that yeah. i want to know uh-huh. more about my history but i just haven't done it because there's always in the back of my mind like have i committed a crime <laughs> i don't know <laughs> my dna somewhere I don't tyson know. still has one too and he's just like no i just don't want the government to have See? my dna yeah, and i'm, I'm like, like okay uh, you know you're not wrong we're no. kind of conspiracy theorists over so, here yeah. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah that's why I'm like in the back of my mind I'm like Did I, have I committed a crime I need to be afraid of that I'll be caught seriously for the grapes I stole at the store yeah. I don't know <laughs> what those damn orange tic tacs <laughs> <laughs> that sticks out in my mind Wait, that's the what are one, you trying to tell that, us <laughs> that's, that's the one thing I've stolen in my life guys orange tic tacs <laughs> and my mom drug my ass back into the grocery store so fast and made me apologize to the clerk it's it's a core memory i'll oh, never forget funny. it i did not know that i literally don't think i've ever stolen anything since then <laughs> when i was this is super off topic now that we got here but um really funny story i think my mom said i was uh like i don't know 11 months old a year old and she had me on the front part of a stroll or a cart at Sears. Okay. And her purse was sitting next to me. I'm a baby. And apparently I was grabbing stuff as she was walking through the aisle. And one of those things was like a little fake gold necklace or whatever. Mm. And it fell into her purse. And like she bought her stuff, other stuff that she was buying. And like, as she was walking out, she got stopped, pulled and in, pulled into the room. Like they were telling her that she was stealing that. Like I was in cahoots with her, like, oh, like a little no. baby, like trying to steal with her. Um, or that she like trained me like a monkey to steal. <laughs> and 
um, it wasn't until like they replayed the. I'm like, what? I don't get it. The story is great, but um, so she almost got charged with uh, thieving. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's like, I haven't been into a Sears since. Oh my gosh. You sabotage your poor mom. Yeah. So I was a baby and I That's stole funny. a fake gold necklace from Sears. And then I worked for Sears years later. <laughs> it all came full circle. It came full circle there. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, yeah. That's that is, that's a wild story. I did not think that it was going to be someone that had such a history. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a like a, a like opportunist opportunistic type of situation, right? Or like someone offered her drugs and they, she died in the room, or you know what I mean, like right. over like something tragic, but maybe accidental, mm-hmm. or like you know, just spur of the moment type of thing. I did not think it was going to be someone that would fall victim to like a serial rapist yes. type of situation. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and I even like kind of forgot to mention this little tidbit too. Like even after, even after his confession and saying that she had gotten into the car voluntarily, you know, her family just still kind of had such a hard time believing that. Yeah. To be, I don't know, from his standpoint, just enticed with some weed. But then her mom was also kind of like, well, Brittany also hated walking. And so walking that mile from one hotel to the next, she's like, in that regard, I, you know, I could see her getting into somebody's car. But then I'm just like. But then 50 miles from there? Yeah, damn, girl. Like, at what point in time do you realize that? You've passed your hotel and (laughs) you're going somewhere completely unknown. Did he take, you know, like, like where where did her phone go? Something must have happened immediately in that car. Yeah. Because if she didn't have her phone on her readily able to text as much as she did text, she would have like texted her boyfriend right then and there like, Hey, I'm not feeling good about this. Or exactly. I just got in someone's car or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the situation, whatever. But for her to have no communication based on what her family and friends say was her constant communication style. Outlet, yeah. Yeah. Then I, something must have happened immediately from her getting into that car. Also, exactly. like, you're in Myrtle Beach. You're there on spring break. You're 17 years old. I don't know that I would get into a 50-year-old's car either. Unless it was forced mm-hmm. or they showed me the weed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even then, I I don't even know. I, I did some stupid shit when I was younger. Yeah, like we getting all into did. strangers' cars. Let's be honest. Yeah. About me. I did. I was <laughs> stupid. But um I still like hand on my phone, hand on the door, I put the window down. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't even buckle up. Right. So something must have gone really wrong really fast in that car. Right. For her to stop texting right away. Uh-huh. For a 50-mile ride, like you said, give or take about an hour. An hour. So for her to not have her out, her phone in that hour, mm-hmm. something's wrong in that car already. Exactly. And that's why I just do not believe no. his story. Do you think she it- was driving then, Angel? And like he pulled her in. I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah. Could have. Yeah. Because how would she 
I mean, not well, that she couldn't have. Brittany was tiny. Women can do anything yeah, men we can, can do. do. We're strong. Um, we can kidnap just like men. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. But, I mean, it's true. It's she, true. Angel could have also been a little bit more enticing and safer of a lure to get That's her into true. the car versus... A man. A 50-something-year-old man. Yeah. Luring her in. Yeah. But yeah, that's so funny that you say that about getting into someone's car. Cause I remember like years ago I had to hitchhike. Sorry, we're spinballing no. guys. I had no. to hitchhike home for Christmas one year when we had a ton of snow. Oh wait, I did too that Christmas. Yeah. And I know exactly so, which one you're talking about. Yep. It was like, like oh eight. Yep. Yep. And I was trying to get because my dad couldn't cross over from Washington yep. without chains on his on car. his tire on his truck. And so I was out in Gresham and I was like walking down to take the bus, which I had never taken the city bus in my life. And this guy pulls up in this total creeper van and offers me a ride down to the bus stop. And I like get in the passenger side, didn't buckle my seat. And I told him, I was like, I'm not buckling my seatbelt. I'm leaving the window down and the car unlocked. Yes. And he just starts laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? And he's like, nothing. I have a young daughter in in New York. And if she were getting into someone's car like this right now, I would 100% expect her to do exactly what you're doing. And I'm like, okay, good. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) Sassy little 18 year old. I do what I want. I was like, if you think you're going to kidnap anyone, it's not going to be me. And it's not going to be today. Got wrong. Wrong girl, mister. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's funny. I did the exact same thing with mm-hmm. someone once. And then, yeah, that snowstorm was... I actually spent the night at the airport that night, too. But I remember borrowing uh, Jared's car because I dropped him off at the airport and I was skidding all over 205. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. It was so scary. And then it was I wild. to the max from Cascade over to the max. Anyway, so... Yeah. Um, so that's you, the case. If you do get into strangers' cars... <laughs> Follow Don't buckle your seatbelt. <laughs> Leave the doors unlocked. Your hand on the... And tell them they're not kidnapping you. Yeah, you are not the one. <laughs> not today. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, that's part two. We got some more um, exciting Patreon stuff coming up yes. soon. And speaking of Patreons, we have a new Patreon. We do have a new Patreon. And if you are a Patreon, you would have heard this a whole week earlier than anyone else. So um, thank you for being a Patreon. And we're trying to get out stuff to you um, as fast as we can. But with the holidays and everything, um, we're going to try and make it up to you. So, But we want to welcome and thank our newest Patreon. And that's Jessica L. Thanks, Jessica. She is part of the Murder Lovers group. So thanks, Jessica. We appreciate your support. And welcome to welcome to the team. <laughs> what are we, a team? No, we're the Murder Lovers. <laughs> or we're the Rangers. I was going to say, the di- Stranger Danger Rangers. <laughs> I feel like we need Power Ranger suits that have our logo on them now. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen. You give me a week off of work and some Photoshop and some things will happen. Things I already will saw your Photoshop magic from our family photo yes. from Thanksgiving. <laughs> so good. So good. Okay, guys, we're on to something. Yeah. Exciting me, things are happening. Ideas. If we were if we were called Stranger Danger Rangers. <laughs> what would that suit look like? Or is it like Girl Scout outfits? Oh. Scout's honor. Yeah. Yeah. 
We have options. We have a lot of I options. I like options. And I love photoshops. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you, everyone. Enjoy. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I had a lot of questions. Thank you for bearing with me, Brie, because I had a lot of questions during that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Happy December. Happy. Oh, my God. Happy I December. Know. I know. Time is flying. Don't play your Mariah Carey too loud. My eardrums are already bleeding. Oh, that might be our fade out song on this. Oh, geez. Okay. Only once. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.